You are listening to the In Perspective Weekly Podcast with Bob Branco and Peter O'Toole. Hello, everybody, and welcome once again to In Perspective. My name is Bob Branco. This is episode 281, dated Friday, October 28th, 2002. With us tonight, Peter Alchel from Columbia, Missouri, our friend and co-host. Peter, what's going on today? Not a whole lot. We've got finally gotten some decent fall weather, which is going to last for like an entire week. So we're we're all we're pretty happy here. Quiet and sunny, and you know we expect Missouri to lose to the other team in Columbia, South Carolina. Uh, beyond that, nothing else of great excitement. Okay, well our weather here is going to be typical late fall. Temperatures in the fifties and sixties with. Yeah. Uh, frost advisories overnight so we'll see how that goes i want to thank those people who make it possible for in perspective to be aired we start out with raymond gay our producer thank you for what you do tom and lynn from rosie's place thank you for posting our shows up on reading door number 15 i also want to thank the media outlets for airing us when when they feel it's um you know appropriate to do so jacqueline sylvia our web designer. Thank you very much, Jacqueline, for archiving our shows on my website. That would be www.brancoevents.com. Go there and click on the In Perspective shows and you'll see the archives from latest to earliest. And I also want to give a shout out to somebody who had some positive things to say about our last show. So I'm going to say hi to him. Duncan Holmes. He's also from Texas, I believe. Duncan has also been a guest frequently on our program. So hello to you, sir. As most of us know, particularly those who are blind, we try to live normal lives. It's what we want to do. Sometimes it's easier for some people than it is for others. But this is what we do. This is what we strive to do. And quite often when we deal with the public, Uh, They have a lot of questions. They have a lot of assumptions that they make. And uh, I guess the best way for me to put it is to quote somebody who recently passed away, a good friend of mine. In fact, our guest knows this gentleman that I'm going to talk about. His name is Alan from Vermont. Not the guest, the one who was deceased. He said that when blind people get questioned, They should not get upset. They should not be impatient. They should just work with the person who's asking the question to call it a teachable moment. So I agree with that philosophy, but I'm not going to go any further for the moment. I'm going to turn the festivities over to our guest, who's been a guest on this show a couple times, Michael Lance from Aventura, (laughs) Florida. Michael, what's going on? Hi. Great to be here. Well, um, I'm here. I'm lucky to be here because... I think my mom is uh, still living. I go over her place every week. She's 99 years old. God bless her. And she has dementia, and I sing songs to her, her and make her feel good, and she remembers me, and it's kind of sad, but we're making it. Anyway, um, let me begin by saying this. The reason why I always say I when I do speeches and when I pass cards out is I answer all questions and I don't leave until last question is answered because of the fact that um, one time I was at a speech where 
people from Salem Media were there. And I asked a question to one of them about his book, if it would be in Braille. He said, no, it won't be in Braille or it won't be on, you know, anything. And I had also mentioned about another person on there who wrote a book that I liked about whatever happened to class of 1965. And I wanted to meet him. So when it when the whole program ended, they just walked off the stage like that and left. Why? So that's why I always say I answer all questions and I don't leave until the last question is answered. I want to be sociable. I want to be friendly to the people that I meet when I do my motivational speeches. What are your motivational speeches about? Uh, well, I speak about blindness. I speak about how to deal with the public, how to how to deal with the people out there. I talk about myself as a former broadcaster in the South Florida area, and I speak about whatever people want me to talk about. And who is your audience? It's, which which kind of groups do you speak it for generally? Um, well, I've spoken to retired audiences. I spoke at a, um, I was a banquet speaker at a broadcasting convention in St. Louis, I think it was, or somewhere. And Omaha, probably. I spoke about broadcasting and I spoke about radio and how radio needs to be more local. One time I spoke to a father and two of their kids, and why it's important for them to be in school and to learn all they can about everything around them. Well, I sure agree with you about radio being more local. That would be uh, not just all media needs to be more local. Uh, we we right. are losing the whole uh, lo- local media to everybody's uh, dysfunction. Syndication. Really oh, yeah. Syndic- yeah, it really is. Too oh, bad. yeah. It really is. too Right. Bad. It is. Right. I mean, you take sports radio 24-7. So all we're hearing about now, because sports radio is 24 hours a day, seven days a week, people run out of stuff to talk about. So now all we're hearing about is Tom Brady's divorce. If I'm Tom oh, Brady, wow. I would be very angry. Uh-huh. But, then some, uh-huh. but, then, but then some might argue, well, you know, he's in the public eye. He asked for this. But anyway, mm-hmm. go ahead, Mike. Yeah, we had a um, we. There's a station in San Francisco that just changed format and went to a um, uh, gambling format, 24 hours a day gambling, and uh, they they were a talk station for years. We just had a span a station WAXY 790 go from the ticket to our Spanish radio and conservative Spanish, but I'm not here to talk about that. I'm here to talk about blind issues, if possible, or whatever you all want to Well, I want to uh, go back a little bit. Now, you, you went to Perkins School for the Blind, and for the record, you were the first boy I actually socialized with at Perkins. Right. It, it, was back, <laughs> it was back on April 29th, 1969, when I went for my evaluation. Right. You and I, and I guess a few others, were out in the bowling alley, 
uh, and the Potter Cottage Playground at Perkins. Oh, my gosh. Uh, you know, so uh, I got to know a little bit about the playground and, and how everything was set up for blind kids. And um, I don't know very much about what you did after you left Perkins. I know you were in lower school, which means you were maybe in uh, under the under fifth grade or sixth grade. But I know you've had a lot of life experience, and that's what I want to get into, basically. you know, Okay, sure. You, you try to be independent as much as possible. You cross streets. Uh, and uh, we can start there. And, and Peter, okay. you can chime in anytime you want. But, Mike, you have encountered a lot of situations where people have asked you, you know, why are you crossing the street? Uh, it's too dangerous. Let me help you. And then some people don't know how to help you. And, again, when I say that they don't know how to help you, it's not that they mean to be cruel or disrespectful. There are ways for sighted people to help blind people. Right, um, exactly. This is, where, this is where the teachable moments come in. You have to yeah, like, I'm trying tell to how you do it. Okay, I'm working on that now. I'm trying to be nicer to the people because uh, I'm trying to, you know, it's not worth, I don't really get, get angry at them or anything like that. And sometimes they... You know, in South Florida, unfortunately, we have a lot of people that know nothing whatsoever about blindness. We have people here in the building that don't even know what a guide dog is, or they don't know what Braille is, okay? That's like that. I, um, right. We, um, uh, we have only one elevator working, and what I do sometimes is... Sometimes I get off the elevator on a certain floor and go up to my floor, which is the 12th floor. Or what I do now is, like when I uh, go to the dining room, I'll go to the uh, outside, and from outside I try to find my way in. And to the dining room, I have people help me. And people now, I'm happy to say, for the most part, are getting used to the fact that I do climb stairs. We had one lady. We have one lady down here. I thought she was going to blow a fit, blow a gasket, because she was so mad at me. I said, "Look, the reason why I do it is because of the fact you have to know where the fire escape is, and." I look at what Michael Hinkson did. Michael Hinkson, as you may or may not know, went down like 82 to 83 flights of stairs on 9-11 over at the uh, World Trade Center. And uh, I met him one time, but, you know, I try to to make it, now I'm trying to make it more comfortable for for everybody out there. And I want to say something that I appreciate the fact that I know I have a line at night that I use. Um, I'm, I do my program Tuesday, Wednesday, and Saturday, and it's great to have people online, but the, the, the really, the really unique thing is like, I could be talking to a sighted person and say to them, I have something in the paper I want you to listen to. 
they're not really interested, but I find a lot of blind people tend to be very interested in the world around them. And I know I am too. And uh, I appreciate that. Why do you suppose you get more enthusiasm from the blind people? Because that's what it sounds like based on what you're saying. And if that's true, I'm just wondering why that is. Because of the fact that they, uh, uh, blind people seem more interested in what's around them. And they, they're, more, they're more talkative than a lot of sighted people to a point. I find a lot of sighted people today or very un- a lot of people are very unhappy or they don't really want to talk. Like, I have a girlfriend that I really like. Her, her name is Violet. She's 59, and she, she wants to learn Braille, and I'm going to teach her Braille. I met her over at the Cracker Barrel restaurant. She works there. She's sighted? And uh, I, gave her, I gave her a little gift last week, a little box. With where you could put earrings in it, and it's it's nice. She loved it. She, she said, "I'm the first one." That, yeah, she said, "I'm the first one that gave her a gift." She's looking to buy a car, by the way, <laughs> either a new car so or a used car. So she is one of the sighted people that you know who understands blindness and what it entails right. and how we live. Right. She gets it. Yeah. Oh, very but like, much. In fact, but like, but like I said, those that don't, you have to work with them patiently. Yeah. It it does get. Do you, well, do you find it get hard? It gets hard at times. You find it difficult at times. Ah, uh, Bob. It's funny, Mike. I I'm very active, as a lot of you who are listening to this program know. I'm a very active individual. I associate with many sighted people. I have a dinner group. Uh-huh. I'm practically the, there are only two blind people in the entire dinner group. I'm sorry, three. Everybody else is sighted. Okay. I have a bowling league. Everybody in the league is sighted except me. So I have learned over the years to just casually associate with the sighted, act as normal as I possibly can. I mean, I'm doing, I'm not doing that for anybody in particular. I'm doing that because that's what I do. I try to lead a normal life. So anything that I say or do or carry out, um, if it comes out normal, um, everybody gets used to that. And so it, I sort of blend in that way because I do it all the time. Uh-huh. Well, okay. You, you do have a, a little advantage because I think you could, you could see at one time. I saw at one time, and, yes. I lost yeah. I lost my vision for the most part when I was in my 30s. My doctor uh, described it as optic atrophy. Right. Did you find it difficult at first? Let's put it this way, Mike. I'm glad that the actual changes or transformations took place in a 10-year span as opposed to a one-year span. It might have been a little bit more difficult had that happened. Wow. That's, that's good that you can deal with it because like the former girl I was kind of going out with, <laughs> she's no longer living, unfortunately, and she stopped talking to me a long time ago. I don't think she could really handle it. She said that 
if she went blind, she would commit suicide because of the fact she couldn't deal with it. I told her about the restaurant I wanted it to open called Let's Eat, and I'd have blind cooks. And her comment was, oh, no, I'd never go into a restaurant with blind cooks. Well, that's because she's said, never right. experienced anything like that before. Yeah. That's why. Yeah. Right. I said, why? She said, because, oh, they may burn themselves. I said, no, they wouldn't. They are blind people that cook all the time. And they, the thing is, sighted people, they just, number one, they don't know how we do it. I don't even know how I do it at times because I could drop something on the floor, very small, like a hearing aid battery. I'm not only blind but hard of hearing, and I could still find a hearing hearing aid battery, believe it or not. So I, I think I manage pretty well for the most part. So I want to throw out a challenge to both you, uh, Mike, uh, and Bob, and also the audience who are part of the show. Uh, okay. I, I have been, uh, this Sunday, I will be preaching a sermon on Bartimaeus. Now, for those who don't know who Bartimaeus is, it's he's a, uh, a character in the New Testament in Jesus's time. Bartimaeus was a blind beggar and uh, asked Jesus to give him his sight, and Jesus did give him his sight. And this is uh, a bit uncomfortable for many of us blind people for a lot of reasons. Uh, and so my question sort of to anybody who wants to take a run at answering it is, what message should I be communicating during the, say, 10 minutes I have to talk about this passage this Sunday at church? Oh, what do I, uh, what's your name, by the way? I'm Peter. Okay, Pete. Very good question. As a WJBA, white Jewish blind American, what I would say is, um, I would say uh, that's a good question because um, Bartimaeus, I'm kind of familiar with that. And I would tell people that um, Bartimaeus might have been blind and begged for whatever he needed or whatever, but I would just, you know, Try to be good. Try to um, try to deal as as blind people. Try to deal with the blind. You know where you where the people are friendly. That's why I left the temple because I found personally that the people in the temple, unfortunately, were not really that friendly. They didn't come up and say, "Hi, hey, Mike, nice to meet you," or whatever. Or like they say, where, where are you going? Where you want to go? And they didn't have really much to say. They couldn't relate to it. I would just say to to the people uh, in in church to to be as yourselves to 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 be just like anyone else as a blind as a sighted person. Uh, Peter, I'd like to answer your question. Your friend and, and the. <laughs> The thing about this is you're preaching, uh, I guess, a sermon, for lack of a better term, and it's about Jesus and the miracles that he performs. So in the end, Jesus performs a miracle. This Barmaeus, am I pronouncing it right? Bartimaeus. Bartimaeus. He's he's no longer going to be blind. He's going to be sighted. And here's the thing. I I know lots of people. In fact, I had a friend of mine who passed away about two years ago totally blind friend of mine 
And he he turned Christian late in his life. And he got married to a Christian lady. And a lot of times they would tell me, oh, I'm sure we're going to be healed. I know we're going to be healed. We're going to get, a, I'm going to get my sight back. Uh, his wife was already sighted. But if you have that thinking that spiritually you're going to be healed, whatever problems you, you have as a blind person right now, you're going to figure that they're going to go away because you're going to be healed. So, so your point, Bob, is the spiritual healing, right? That you know that. Well, it's like it's, it's like you pointed out about Jesus giving Bartimaeus his sight back. Same as my friend thought that he's going to be healed. That he's been blind all his life. He knows Jesus is going to heal him. Because he, of course, he didn't heal him. He passed away. Mm -hmm. He healed him up in heaven, though. So, with all the spiritual healing going on, it makes it easier, I guess, for those people who are living through their sight loss. Yes. To have a lot, have a lot of faith. All right, Bob. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I, I, your point is well taken, right? Uh, you know, healing is is a possibility. Um, certainly, uh, you know, I guess the issue that I struggle with is, you know, not everybody who who uh, uh, who prays to be given back their sight gets their sight back, right? And so the the issue sort of becomes, what happens? What happens when you don't get your sight back? Right. Um, Ronnie, two things, if I might put it, bring up. Ronnie Millsap uh, was uh, blind. He's a singer. And I saw him twice he, in concert. Yeah, his parents, his parents took him to church all the time, and they tried to heal him. And they ended up saying, well, you didn't pray hard enough, so you're not going to be healed and all this kind of stuff. And Ronnie got tired of it. Now for me personally, okay. When I was a kid, I wanted to, I did want to see it one time and I, I wish I could, you know, I, to be perfectly honest, I was a miserable son of a gun, not just for me, but for my parents, for everybody out there that I couldn't see. Okay. And oh, sure, there were some things I kind of wish I could see, but I don't. I don't let it bother me anymore. I'm pretty happy as I am for the most part. Well, you're very active, Mike. You you do your motivational speaking. You go out a lot. You go to different restaurants. You go. Uh, I'm sure there are things going on in your building. You have your own chat room, so you try to do the best you can to make a quality life for yourself. Right. I sure do. But with, um, with, with Bartimaeus, I would tell the people in the, in the church to be just like anybody else, you know, just try to try to deal with, with people. Yeah. I, I appreciate your, your, your comment about how you ultimately left the temple because you didn't feel supported. You know, you, people didn't, weren't especially friendly to you. And I think, right. I think, that's, I think that's an important message to convey that, you know, part of being in a, in a temple or a church or a faith community is to be part of the community, you know, yeah. uh, you know to, be, to be accepted and supported. As you, and, and supported. And for many folks uh, that I know who tried to integrate themselves into a faith community, 
They ultimately failed in part because the folks in the faith community did not integrate them into the community. And I right. think that's, I think that's really, uh, really a shame. Um, yeah. And it doesn't speak highly of the, of the community, right? You know, we're supposed to, we're supposed to, uh, whether you were Christian or Jewish, we have some responsibility to be respectful and to honor folks who are different from us. And, uh, yeah. you know, to the extent that doesn't happen, it's not, it doesn't speak well of the of of us religion types. Exactly. Now, Mike, from what I know about you, you have a career of sorts in radio broadcasting. Yeah. Now, I'm assuming that when you were doing radio broadcasting, everybody knew that you were a blind broadcaster. Am I correct? Oh, yeah. A lot of talk hosts know that, and they call me Blind Mike and... I don't really like that, or they they make fun about it. Uh, I don't know why they should, but that's that's a subject yeah. another time, I suppose. Now, right. when now, did you ever do talk shows where you would integrate with uh, callers? Oh, all the time. I I had a show um, Sunday nights from midnight to one called Lance L A N T Z Line on a station called. At that time, it was 1490 WSBH, um, first talk for the 90s, and I did a talk show where I talked about anything and everything. It was a, a lighthearted talk show. Do you get much respect and much support from the callers? Oh, very. The callers were excellent. They were great. Good. They and were really good. And how... How, how long did you do radio? I mean, you know, how long did you, you know, how many years and did you, what else did you do besides talk? Well, I did radio for about, uh, let's see, I was at WMBM for about two years, worked one day at a radio station, which was a classical station for, um, it was in Miami, WKAT, they tried <laughs> classical they were originally a, a talk station for a while, and uh, all I did was kind of push buttons. The the I never met the general manager, but at least he paid me. When I was with uh, WSBH, I got paid, and uh, I did the show. I wasn't. I was a producer of a talk show in the afternoon, a few talk shows, and. Um, I started my work over at a station that was a country station on AM, WWOK, and the FM was WIGL. Uh, that was, um, all I did there was I was a producer of a talk show called Perspective. And what I did also, when I started radio over at Miami-Dade, that was really rough because my broadcasting instructor in fact, Alan told me he knew him. Dave Gravel, who worked in Vermont at WVMT, he was so much against blind people getting into radio, just like the blind agency is. Okay, yeah. so my next, my next question then is, you said you were a producer, and I'm sure a lot of people would like to know, because, you know, you're a blind person and you were a producer. What were some of the duties that you did as a blind producer okay what i did was when i was a producer over at uh wwok and um 
WIGL, mainly WWOK. I answered phones, and I said, good evening, perspective. Would you like to get on the air or whatever? I didn't really. I wasn't that... I wasn't that much of a screener, but we I, we had one situation where a lady called up. Her voice was kind of different, I think. She was saying that she had cancer or something, and I said, what would you like to talk about? They were talking about something. I don't know, remember what. I got called in the office, and the hostess says, oh, you know, the show is only for two hours. I said, yeah, I know that. Why did you let so-and-so on the air? I said, because they wanted to talk about what they wanted to talk about, and they had every right. Well, they were they talked funny. I said, yeah, I know that, but they have every right to be on the air because because even though they're disabled, you you shouldn't discriminate about uh, disabled people because they're different. Everybody has the right to have their say in what they want to talk about. I agree with you, not the not the host. So, so yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm I'm curious about something. Do do either of you know that the name Bob Grant, uh, one of the talk show uh, guys uh, in on New York, Los Angeles radio, in the that's from the yeah, Bob Grant from the oh, Grant. yeah, Bob. Oh Grant. yeah, yeah, yeah. Worked at WABC. Yeah, exactly. And Bob Grant. Uh, was no was notorious for making fun of people with funny sounding voices. Uh, you know, it didn't matter if the voice you know sounded African American or or Latino or just you know uh, you know older or whatever. He he just made fun of them, and I uh-huh. I found that absolutely um, terrible, uh, and uh, never really and and there was no reason for it. Bob was a brilliant had a brilliant mind. And you know, I don't know why he he felt he had he had to do that. It, it, it just, uh, it just ruined the quality of his show, uh, from my perspective. To answer, you know, good question, Pete. To answer your question, a lot of people think that the reason why talk hosts do this is because they do it not to be little people, but they claim, well, it's a show, and they have they may not mean it, but. Uh, for example, I have a very, very good friend of mine, um, Victor Schmidt, and Victor calls up uh, a guy by the name of Brian Craig, who I know of, and Brian Craig has made fun of me. Oh, that's Blind Mike. He used to be on the Neil Rogers show, a chronic caller or something like that. But one time, Victor was on the air, and he said uh, something and Brian said, well, I thought you can't see. And Victor said, yeah, I could see a little bit. And he kind of made fun of it. I called Brian one day and I said, Brian, I know it's not open phone Friday, but how did you get into radio? He said, well, I'll tell you. Steve Kane said, well, we had a list of people who we banned from the air and Blind Mike was one of them. Okay. <laughs> and Why would they uh, be, uh, uh, Steve Kane said that, and Brian Craig said, "Yeah, um, that was Blind Mike or something like that." You know, I mean, I've complained to to people uh, to the program director and stuff, and um, 
Brian, unfortunately, has a wife who is disabled. I wonder how he treats her. But, I mean, this kind of thing is, is not right to were make you fun really, of. Were you really banned? Um, yeah, kind of. I mean, not really banned, you know. I mean, I, I don't know. I was known as a, uh, I was known as Blind Mike. But, like, Neil Rogers, when he found out that my dog had died, Neil actually got on the air and said he was sorry that my dog died. Neil Rogers was a unique talk host who did all kinds of stuff on the air. And, uh, but my feeling is that people, the media, this is where the media comes in. The media does not do enough to deal with the disabled community. I think, I think they have to do more. Okay. So what I would like to do at this time, First of all, you're listening to In Perspective. I'm Bob Branco, and my co-host is Peter Alcho. Mike Lance is our guest, talking about educating the public about blindness and what it's all about. I'd like to open up the program to our participants, and so I'm going to ask Raymond if there are any hands raised. All right. So first up, we have... Uh, Jane, you're going to be first, but then uh, Pam, you are right after um, Jane. Well, first of all, yeah, hi to all of you, especially to you, Mike, and Peter, and Bob, and Raymond. Thank you for, I I listen, I think I'm muted, and I'm so sorry about that. I want to circle back to a couple of things. If we're talking about educating folks who are non-disabled, so to speak, or sighted. I'm going to be very specific. The challenges challenges for us who are blind are never-ending. They will never go away because educating people is often initially a one-on-one basis. You meet people at bus stops. You meet them in the bathroom, at the teller, at the bank, everywhere. And people want to know. So when I dedicated my book, Blind Sight, Come and See, it was to everybody who has ever asked a question and to everybody who wished they had and hadn't and to those who still will do it. I want to say something about Bartimaeus. I love him. He's a big, bad Bart. And when I teach Sunday school, we act that story out. And he's going along the road just yelling, I want to talk to Jesus. I want to know about this now. And everybody's telling him to shut up. And I had a little four-year-old say, my mom said, I'm not supposed to say shut up. I can say hush, meaning hush. And I just stopped in my tracks. And she was right on, you know, just. (laughs) But Bartimaeus asked what he needed to know. And he got a result that I don't think he expected to get. And certainly other people didn't expect him to get it. And so the healing issue is a big one for all faith folks, all communities. It took me years as a person who is blind to even dare to pray for the healing of others. 
because oh, wow. they turn around and go, wow, why should I trust you? And I go, because I believe that healing is in the creator's hands. And there are various times and ways and places for healing. So I don't, I don't know, but I do know that God has said to ask. So I think that's important. Um, that's all I want to say. I'm sure there are other people who want to jump in here. So thanks for letting me talk and unmute. So later. Okay. Later. And Mike, I, I, well, thank you. And Mike, I really um, appreciate your speaking about your jobs and what that opened or didn't open for you. So later, later. Thank so you. Okay, thank you. We go to um, uh, before we go to Pam. I do want to. I need to circle back to muting and unmuting yeah, and the, raising I, hands. There's lots to say about that story. For, uh, and so uh, to raise your hand, it's Alt Y on pc option y on mac star nine on telephone and um uh under the more tab or yeah under the more tab for uh smartphones for muting it is alt a on pc command shift a on mac star six on telephone and lower left on uh smartphones so pam you're up next yes i too I too like Bartimaeus. I mean, go Bart. <laughs> uh, yeah, he he has quite a story. Um, but what I wanted to mention was there's an old saying. Who knows where it came from? I think I first heard it as a line in a song of all things. But the saying goes something like, "There is none so blind." as one who will not see. It's not cannot see. It's one who will not see. And we've all known people like that. And this is what is so frustrating for those of us trying to educate people. You run into those that will not see, regardless of what you say. They're not going to take your word. They're not going to trust you. They're not, they won't do this. They won't do that. Uh, a, a friend of mine the other day was at the doctor's office. And um, she had never been to this doctor's office. Uh, for whatever reason, she didn't want to use her cane to get from point A to point B, probably because she didn't want to get separated from the the nurse and the nurse would not let her travel sighted guide because my friend was not wearing gloves. She was like most of us. She just showed up, used the sanitizer, all that. She had her mask on, all that stuff. The nurse would not let her touch her to travel sighted guide. And you run into stuff like that. I mean, she was so afraid of getting COVID. She was so afraid my friend had COVID, which she didn't. I mean, that wasn't even why she was at the doctor's office. Um, And you, you run into people who will grab the end of your cane that's the, the end that's on the ground and they'll start trying to lead you that way. And, 
what they did to my friend was the nurse got behind her and was pushing her like she was a grocery cart. And so Sound familiar, Mike? Ones, yeah. Uh, it's the ones who will not see that you really have to worry about. Oh, okay. Uh, I can answer that. When people try to grab my cane, I say, yep. be careful when they bite you. <laughs> or if <laughs> yep, people... Yep. Or if people come over and start pushing me, I say, wait a minute, the shopping cart isn't here. I mean, uh-huh. you you have to, I think, I think you have to use some humor in it because if mm-hmm. you don't, people can get kind of uptight. Like if people ask me, like when I'm in the dining room in a restaurant, what would he like? I'll say, let me ask yeah. him. <laughs> okay. Oh, that's great. But yeah. I want I mean, if if I said to people, "My cane will bite you," that's not an accurate representation. That's not what I want them to know. What I want them to know is, would you like it if I grabbed your purse if it was a female, or your right. jock strap, or whatever? Oh, I don't care. You know, mm-hmm. I want to get at whatever is most accurate that would touch them. Mm-hmm. So exactly. when people ask me about a guide dog, I don't, does he bite? No, mm-hmm. not if I don't tell him to, and he wouldn't then. So I don't even say that anymore. <laughs> but I used right. to. Mm-hmm. Right. Got it. But I, I try to, you know, I mean, I I try to make everything to a point or almost everything as humorous as possible because I don't want to insult them. But people, people, even though um, people do, unfortunately, get confused and they get very scared mm-hmm. because of the fact that that's another thing. A lot of people, uh, they say, how do you, like my girlfriend asked me, how do you shave? I said with a razor, okay, yeah. <laughs> I, and I said like like anyone else. Then she asked me mm-hmm. the other day if I would want a cornea transplant, and I was really nice to her about it. I said, well, I thank you for asking, but it wouldn't work, you know. And but anyway, you know, you have to. It depends on the situation. By the way, folks, you're doing a wonderful, wonderful job. It's Great. (laughs) One of the ones, one of the ones that intrigues me a lot, Mike, and everybody else is when somebody asks a blind person how they feed themselves. Because (laughs) if you really, if you really think about it, there isn't a sighted person alive who can see his mouth. Oh, wow. Okay. (laughs) There is right. not, I, I almost guarantee that, there is no sighted person who can see his mouth. He needs mm-hmm. to find his mouth the same way a blind person needs to find his mouth, whatever that right. may be. I think the funniest thing that you told me, Bob, is when you were in the store one day and somebody said, oh, the meat's in Brejo. Mm-hmm. Well, someone asked me that. Someone, no, some, no, they didn't ask me. They were shopping, and somebody approached him about that and then the uh, other one that, the other one that i found amusing was are there are there grocery stores for the blind you mean that there's 
actually people that live in this country, that breathe in this country, that live for decades, and they don't know how to find a store for the blind, if one even exists at all. Where are these stores? <laughs> of course, we know that they oh, don't man. exist. But, but, yeah, wow. but th that story is true. Are the meats yeah. in Braille? Uh, do they Braille the walls? Do they Braille the floor? <laughs> I mean, you'd be amazed at, at what some people who are totally ignorant of how the blind live uh, ask questions. Right. Like, I know a lot of good jokes about my good friend, Louis Braille. And I said to myself, oh, my God, if I if I did a, a program on Louis Braille on TV as a comedy thing, most of the people would turn off the TV. They go, who's he? Okay. <laughs> I'll, I'll put in some comedy. Louis Braille? Wasn't his wife's name yeah. Dot? Yeah, Dottie. <laughs> Dottie? And, and if she got pregnant, did she have contractions? Oh, Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and when she went, and then if she ever went to jail, she'd be living in a cell. Yeah, right. <laughs> so there you go. Yeah. Pam, right. Pam, thank you very much for your contribution. Thank you. Today. Great we topic. Chris. Great topic. Sorry, okay. Pam. Chris. Hello. Hi. Oh, this 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 is going into many directions. I want. I'm I'm just going to make it as short as I can, but I've I've got to have a couple of things that I'm thinking about. First, okay. Bartimaeus. Um, I had to evolve. I, I my my life has evolved with the uh, message of of Bartimaeus. I thought as a child or a young teenager that he was just being one of those blind people that is just obnoxious. You know, that's what that's what you know. Some of the teachers around me or the people, you know, people that were cited, but were teachers kind of treated me like, and uh, I didn't want to give that message. But as time went by, I realized that Bartimaeus actually, it, it, he wanted his sight. He wanted to have sight, but he also wanted to see there's so much more to seeing than the eyes and i think and of course the eyes are part of it are a big part of it but i think that's an important thing to know is even those who have sight may not have all of the components of what seeing really is and yeah. the other the other thing I'm thinking about is I have had a huge education as a blind person because I married a sighted man and he is he never never ever knew a blind person before and so on the one hand he is educated him, is educating himself but on the other he knows that I get frustrated trying to understand, trying to communicate. And um, so we talk it out and it really works. But there are times, there have been times when it hasn't been easy. But, I, but you know, we still have a great um, companionship. 
So that's what well, I have. In what way has, has you know, I, I deal with that myself, but in what way hasn't it been easy? Maybe I could help you with that. Uh, mostly Chris. communication, mostly the words. Um, I, for example, the big example for me is um, he'll, he'll come up to my computer to look at something and say, well, just click on that thing over there, you know, or the icon or the whatever. And I'd say, well, I can't, it, it's not, I can't see it. And he says, um, uh, and maybe my voiceover wasn't working. And he forgets sometimes and says, well, well, you know, okay, your voiceover is not, just click on that icon. And I'm like, wait, wait a minute. That icon is not something I can click on. I need the voiceover back. And maybe it maybe it had a glitch in it or something. And he would go along and just kind of say, okay, I got it fixed for you. You had this or that going on. Um, but but the site is automatic. If you think about it, a, a sighted person is automatically through, through every cell in in their body a seeing person light gets light gets in there mike may talked about that in crashing through if anybody ever learned ever read that book yeah and, and it said the light came into his cells and i believe it mm -hmm. and even my family have told me you know Visual, the visual is most of your. Yeah, my my dad, my dad was a teacher. He mm -hmm. taught mobility training. I taught him how to read Braille. My mom mm -hmm. taught. My mom learned Braille. Okay, mm -hmm. and my dad always used to say, "We live in a sighted society." I was dating a lovely lady mm -hmm. who. I see every once in a while now, mm -hmm. and she broke up with me because she was too overwhelmed about being with a blind person, about being with me, and we yeah. did a lot together, and I asked her why, and she told me, well, she thought I needed a, a new guide door, another guide dog, and uh, I wasn't really sure, and like, she was mad because I would have have people help me across the street, uh, strangers. I said, well, I'm allowed to do that. And she didn't understand. And then she made a dumb comment mm -hmm. about how, well, maybe because of the fact that since I weighed one pound, 15 ounces, went down to one pound, nine and a half ounces, maybe I had some brain damage. I said, that's not true. I said, look, I graduated high school, went to my, well, went to my state college. Yeah. And she said, we're sorry. Then she said, "We can we still be friends? I said, um, I thought about it. I said, yes. College, well, did you attend? I think there, I think there are some, some uh, they're studying brain, the, the uh, visual cortex of blind people. And um, I think there are some brain anomalies with, with premature babies, you know, the premature births. Uh -huh. But I wow. don't think it's, I don't think it's, it, it depends on how big the baby is. I happen to be one of the bigger babies, but 
they do it is being being looked at and uh, it's you know it's and that doesn't mean it's icky that doesn't mean it's wrong you know to think that way although a lot of people think it is and, and it's slight very slight mostly can, can you guys, can you guys hear me yes you're yes. good yeah. peter okay Okay, I was having trouble with this computer. Before before you, we well, go I do on. have one. I have one more question from Mike. Mike, when you mentioned the college you went to, you were cut off. What was the name of the college you went to? I went to Miami Dade Junior South Campus, majored in broadcasting, and um, and uh, I uh, took a few other courses, and uh, it was kind of rough. The broadcasting was rough because. I ended up doing my show myself. I could play whatever I wanted. It was on a local college station, only on the campus. You could hear it. Okay. (laughs) Broadcasting instructor thought, no, can't really make it in radio. I just just have one one sentence here, and that is that um, the the. Um, there, there. I don't want it to be a downer or anything like that. And um, my husband and I get along very well, and he really does sincerely work with me and and understand. He just sometimes it the instant the the first instant it's a little hard, but then it gets much better. Uh-huh. So yeah. So I I just want to. Ask you. How is it? Let me ask you. How is it when you go over relatives and or houses or friends? How do they? How does the fam- the rest of the family deal with you, uh, Chris? Oh. I think it is. Yeah, they have my family and uh, really understood that my mo- my my mother and father have died. Um, my three, uh, well, two of my sisters are still living. But they all understood me. They all they all knew. Um, there was a a real camaraderie, especially my be, between myself and my very youngest sister, who was uh-huh. yeah, she's now. We like to say that she, I am since she's eleven years old. I mean, since I'm eleven years older than she is, I became her mother, her sister, her auntie, her everything. And uh, that's what John and I both tease about because she is, and she sometimes even calls uh-huh. me mama. Peter, you wanted to say something, and then we have two I'm minutes, sorry. and I don't know how I many. Go how ahead. Much- no, no, I, no, Chris, your your comments are really valuable. I'm more than happy to yield the floor. Uh, uh, I think what you're saying is really what. What I wanted to remind us all is that education is a two way street. And what I'm thinking about is uh, the story that uh, I think Mike you told about. You know, uh, somebody saying you were brain damaged because you were, uh, you know, a, a low weight baby. And, and my basic reaction is this kind of stuff is really unhelpful. I mean, even even if it's true, um, you know, uh, that there there is such a thing, you know, that doesn't mean that doesn't, of course, mean that everybody, you know, who, who is uh, low weight has brain damage. And right. I, I, it's, it's, it's obvious, but the point is we all do this kind of stuff all, you know, if we're not careful all the time, whether you're blind or sighted or whatever, we just need to be really careful about making stupid comments like that. You know, if, if, oh, we, yeah. if, if, if we want to be taken seriously, then we have to take other people seriously as well. You know, if we want to be uh, good educators, then we need to be good educatees as well. 
Uh, and I think sometimes we, we, I forget this um, at, 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 to my peril. You know, I think we need to be really careful about making, you know, really dumb comments like that. You know, that that's a hurtful comment. And, you know, if we could all cut that back a little bit, would be much. Uh, you know what I think? Uh, yeah, so you know on. what I... Uh, uh, Ray, Ray. In, the, in the final moment that we have, Ray, do we have any calls? We do. Phone number name 089. You're up next. And this will be the last call. Yeah. Hi, it's Joni Leonard. Hey, Joni. Um, hi, Bob. Hi. Hi, everybody. Um, I'm sorry I didn't get to talk more, but I believe that there are many sighted people that think that we're contagious, and they think that it's our job to educate, 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 right. not humorously until we get to know them, but let them know that we're people just like they are, but we can't see. And there are certain things, I mean, I live in a... Um, a long-term care nursing home. I'm 82. I was one of the first people with retinopathy of prematurity, which they called RLS in those days. They didn't think I was going to live, but I fooled them, and I got to be 82. Uh, I am totally blind, and I think that's another thing that people have to realize, that we blind people have to realize that most people that think that they're blind, have some sight. There are not a lot of totally blind people. Yes, indeed. Around. Yeah. And yeah. so it's really important that we explain. I always explain to new people that I'm going, that I meet that, um, well, I want them to feel relaxed around me and that I, now in a nursing home, but I read, I led a very full life. I was married, divorced, had a child, just like a lot of people, and got through it all. Got a master's degree, um, and and that um, they don't have to be afraid of saying blind or watching TV yep. or anything like that. I try to make yes, people feel relaxed. When they're with me and at ease. Yeah. Tony, I want to thank you for those comments. Uh, and uh, we are out of time, unfortunately. Too bad there isn't any more time. But points well, very well taken indeed. Uh, Mike, thank you. Thank you. Thanks, Joni. Thanks, thanks for everything that all the participants contributed. Uh, Ray, thank you very much. Mike, thanks for being on the program. Uh, okay. And if, if anybody would like to get in touch with me, Bob could give them my phone number. I'll be happy to talk to you. All right. We'll do that off, off the call. Next week, we're going to be talking about climate change. We have Steve Roberts, local guy from Massachusetts who also went to Perkins. He'll be talking about climate change. Peter, thank you as well. And may everybody go safe with God's abundant blessings. 